0: This podcast episode is brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network, where you get your healthcare insights from the most inspiring healthcare podcasters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sombra Health Outcomes Rocket podcast. This is where we talk with healthcare leaders on the state of the industry, patient engagement, and technology innovation. I'm your host, Rich Prest, and today we're fortunate to be speaking with Liam McMorrow, who is a leader in digital health at Nova Nordisk. Liam got an early start as an entrepreneur in digital health, so I'm keen to see what lessons he can share with us today about that. Uh, Liam, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. You back. You so maybe Liam, just to kick things off and to help our audience uh, get to know you a little better, maybe you can share if you had a dream career when you were growing up.
1: Yeah, but not not in healthcare. Uh, yeah. I first of all, player. <laughs> <So that was laughs> the dream. I didn't really think too deeply after that. It was I wanted a a job in an office that that paid me well. That was kind of the <laughs> the bulk of it. So, yeah. So- Pretty simple. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so how does a, a Scottish lad end up working, uh, living, and working in Copenhagen? What's the, what was the, the path that led you to your current role? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, before coming to Copenhagen, I had a startup for a few years, yeah. and uh, we won one of these innovation challenges with with Novo Nordisk, Very cool. uh, who are a global Danish pharma company. And then just through contacts there, when it was kind of falling apart, I was having a few conversations, and one of them said. If you want to come and work in in Novo Nordis, we can find your positions. So I jumped at the opportunity and, and moved to Copenhagen.
0: Awesome. And so I know your your early days of a career, but in terms of accomplishments or favorite roles, are there any any things in particular that speak out from to you from what you've done? Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I definitely miss the startup world. I think and um, the kind of having one thing to focus on and few stakeholders to manage is a uh, is is a nice way to work corporate's definitely more complex in terms of just stakeholder management and, and the pace of things so yeah being a founder in a startup i think was my my, my favorite role and then in terms of accomplishments i think it's, i don't want this to sound cheesy but because it, it actually did mean a lot but we were uh, trying to encourage people to check their blood sugar mm. and uh one mother emailed me once and said how her kid was finally checking their blood sugars at school using the, the app that we built. So that was a pretty cool email to receive. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I know it, it makes a ton of difference to us. You know, we see these texts coming in from patients and just every time you feel like you've helped someone, it just, it's a really rewarding thing. So yeah, very cool to have that experience cool and then as you sort of look forward uh to your career like is there something that you'd you'd love to achieve or accomplish or to be remembered for and yeah
1: yeah if i think so i i i live with type 1 diabetes so i'm very much into uh like diabetes technologies Mm. and the the advancements in the field right now in terms of continuous glucose monitors insulin pumps connected pens Mm. it's just going to be completely different to when I was diagnosed 20 years ago and you had to prick your finger and inject four or five times a day. So somehow getting involved in in that and uh, either improving access to these technologies or contributing to their design. I think it's, yeah, people diagnosed with type 1 diabetes today are going to look back at 20 years ago like we do with needles and syringes that are Mm. like, you know, of inches long and stuff so getting involved there fascinates me and then and then maybe even taking it like one step ahead where you've got companies like prevention bio with a almost like a a a vaccine almost for for diabetes and and Mm. we have an internal cell therapy unit and you've got companies like vertex doing really exciting stuff as well to cure type one diabetes so not sure how exactly but but somewhere along that lines would be would be awesome to to get involved in
0: (laughs) yeah it's amazing to think that this sort of age of engineering biology is just beginning and uh, we're starting to see a few cures come through and and that really will uh revolutionize lives if we can see uh, science continue to do amazing things with more more disease states So very cool so Maybe we can now sort of pivot to talking about the industry today. Is there something that you can think of where perhaps people just don't understand an aspect of healthcare that you think industry insiders maybe have a better, better understanding of than perhaps the general public?
1: I, I think so I have a background in health economics. So mm. my kind of starting point is just to understand how the money flows. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people might get frustrated with healthcare or, you know, have just complaints but but once you understand how how the money flows it, a lot of it makes a lot of sense you know yeah now in in the u.s the money flows in a lot more complex ways uh, than than in europe i think but it still sheds a lot of light on, on behaviors and, and systems and why things might not be easy to access and so yeah i think i think just Dig into who pays who and why and for what, and then you'll slowly start to make sense of, of a, lot, a lot of complexity.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. That's uh, that's usually a, a strong driver for why things are the way they are. So uh, yeah, definitely a, a good place to look if if something doesn't quite make sense at face value. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So then, if you could change anything overnight in healthcare, what uh, what what do you think that would be? What would be a focus area? Yeah
1: like so being in europe I, mm. I think access to care like looking mm. at the us system is still is still a big a big issue and and almost an issue that we don't think about that much because a lot of the the public health systems in europe enable very good access mm. but then being more specific it would be the access to, to diabetes technology like that's what yeah. I, I like i think about yeah. you can see the the benefits in these these devices and and these algorithms and and the Companies are now starting to launch their own closed loop systems. So this is where mm. the the insulin pump talks directly to the the continuous glucose monitor and then mm. it'll make insulin adjustments every every couple of minutes. And
0: oh wow. Oh, that's really cool. Cause that's always been a problem, right? Is this sort of pendulum where you you get into a blood sugar problem and then you put some insulin in and you swing to the other end of the pendulum? And it's always been very challenging for for diabetics, I understand, to to get that insulin levels right and uh so hopefully a closed loop system has more chance of of dialing that in yeah
1: exactly and it just does it you know every few minutes and it does Mm. it with smaller you know adjustments so it's just easier for it to self-correct because that's it like so many things affect blood sugars and uh it's very difficult to to predict but if you just have an algorithm checking it every couple of minutes it can Mm -hmm. just make these adjustments and so yeah as these. these devices get launched, there will be a an additional cost, I'm sure. And uh I think they, they they can be life-changing. So enabling access to those those kinds of technologies, I think will um yeah, could make a big difference in healthcare. Yeah, that would be
0: amazing. Yeah, eliminating that sort of bull effect. Yeah, be very cool. Excellent. So I think we've chatted a few times in the past about some of the challenges sort of introducing and scaling innovations and I'd love it if you could share what some of your experiences have been in terms of the challenges you see in the uh, um and any lessons you've learned from from that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So within within a big pharma company I think um the the first thing is that even though a lot of people are keen to make it happen the digital side of things isn't isn't core yet to the the offering like it's a Mm -hmm. it's a therapy um it's not a digital therapeutic and so what that means is that the entire organization is is kind of designed to bring a a pharmacotherapy to market and to Mm -hmm. promote and to sell it and to make sure that it delivers the 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 benefits that that were shown in clinical studies and and the, the digital component of that is. Even though I think people want to change this and and have it more closely integrated, it's really difficult to do when when the the organization by design has been has been set up to to bring a a molecule to market. Mm. And so, so from the the get go, that's that's always a, a challenge, I think, because at the end of the day, you're trying to promote something that isn't on everyone's priority list. Right. And then, if you do manage to find that kind of project that that is going to kind of tick everyone's boxes yeah letting everyone know that this is what you're doing and, and this is how 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 you want to do it and this is why it's the best way to do it is is also very challenging in in mm. big corp the the stakeholder management aspect is is huge and it uh you really do need to kind of go slowly to get everyone on board or mm. it will be there will be blockers and mm. but for right or wrong reasons and and i i haven't figured this out <laughs> it's uh it's it it just makes it very difficult to 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 get it going i think mm-hmm. and then if you do have something going and and you're into that sort of like scaling aspect mm-hmm. of things you're back to the organizational structure like if if you've got a successful digital product on on the market you're kind of dealing with the commercial side of the organization not mm-hmm. so much um the development side and so yeah it's it's very challenging to i think get the necessary resources maybe to scale something when when you're in a more sort of business focused aspect of the, the organization and and people have have targets to reach and and short-term targets and and mm-hmm. so yeah that there maybe three of the, the the big challenges i see every day <laughs>
0: yeah 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 so that's That's, that's an interesting point. So, you know, in addition to like every step of the way, you're going to have different set of stakeholders and you're going to need to give them all of an opportunity to, to come on board. Uh, And then you're also going to have this transition from sort of product development to sort of commercial and, you know, whether that's devices or digital or, traditional sort of prescription medicines it's the same sort of challenge right they're clinical and the commercial orgs are, are different have different time scales and different different incentives and and metrics and so uh yeah understanding those transitions is is key to navigating the path and and helping to continue to keep that innovation alive and 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 scaling so yeah good points yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, we've chatted a little bit about some of the exciting stuff happening with uh diabetes um uh technologies, but are there any other sort of key trends or developments you're watching that you think are gonna have a, a significant impact on the on the industry as it goes forward?
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. I so so Nordisk is a diabetes company and and I'm very much interested in diabetes, but my my day work now is is mostly focused on obesity. And what we're seeing are and this just isn't this isn't in, in obesity only, but these vertical verticals in healthcare, I think, uh, are really interesting. Mm. Where you know you've got basically uh, an entire vertical pop-up overnight that can recruit new patients, can mm-hmm. give them access to a doctor, can issue prescriptions, and then can provide them that like patient support to uh, mm. to provide that follow-up care and and do it in a sort of a a technology-enabled environment where, you know, it's it's text messages and and video calls. It's not two hours in a waiting room every every three or four months. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, they're popping up in in all sorts of of areas of healthcare, and and the one that I, I'm looking most closely into would be obesity. Mm-hmm. And then the the way they operate as well is 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 really fascinating because they're definitely challenging assumptions. So so even in some markets, they define what, what constitutes a, a doctor-patient relationship. Mm. So some markets see it as you have to have had that face-to-face consultation. You need to meet them in person. But like we've never met in person, but we've spoken. Right, Brian. right. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have these rules, I think, for a health system to provide some kind of guidance, but but they don't always make sense. And then mm-hmm. the, the next layer of that then is, you know, uh diagnosing remotely, you know, is this is this okay? Uh, is this safe? Is it possible? And and again for something like obesity, we're seeing in, in some markets it is. They um they even take mm. it one step further where you can you can diagnose via an asynchronous consultation. Mm. So someone will share their their information and then the doctor will review that and then make a, a diagnosis and and a treatment decision. And and I think this is awesome because it's it's a Patient being able to share the information that they see is fit. They don't, you know, the doctor doesn't have to look at the screen while they're trying to talk to someone. They don't Mm -hmm. feel like they're pressed for time. They can they can relax and and respond when it's a good time for them. And of course, there are always, you know, potential for the system to be misused and and there needs to be careful checks in place. But having this whole new aspect of care where people can access it on, on their terms, I think is is uh yeah, it's it's impressive to see, and there's a lot of companies doing some really cool stuff. Oh,
0: thank you for that, Liam. So, in terms of future opportunities that you're excited about, uh, anything you wanted to share there? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so I think when it comes to the the verticals in healthcare, and then our work in obesity, uh, we've actually just set up a new team, which is trying to figure out how how a big pharmaceutical company can uh, work with these sort of verticals and, and other mm. companies in the space to enable more awareness around obesity as a disease and also access to treatment through these sorts of channels that we're seeing through the consumerization of healthcare. So so it, it's, it's pretty exciting to be within a big organization doing this because you can definitely feel the, the interest is growing and we have some internal pilots running with some really strong results so yeah, so right now internally our, our team is growing. So if, if anyone's interested, they they can reach out. And also, if anyone is doing something in the obesity space that they think could be of interest, we'd love to figure out if we can, if if and how we could work together. Because this isn't something that that Pharma can do by itself. We need to partner. And uh, how we help uh, these verticals mature—it's it's an exciting space, and and it's the one of the most exciting areas of i think how pharma and and digital health overlap and uh, we're seeing some really really strong business cases develop as well which makes everything easier to <laughs> to get going yeah
0: makes sense you know a strong business case
1: and exactly exactly yeah.
0: awesome well that's uh that's really cool to hear about and uh yeah, it's, it's fascinating to watch this sort of consumerization of, of healthcare and and I think this sort of ability to do a search, get connected to a telehealth consult, uh, get a diagnosis, get a prescription, get it shipped to your home. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how far those sorts of approaches can go. I think we've seen a lot of it with generic meds, but I think we're going to see it spreading into traditional and and special and maybe even specialty meds. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and and that's it. It's uh, I, I think the the verticals that are popping up now, uh, there seems to be like uh, they're being underserved by mm-hmm. the health system in, in some way. Uh, they may be like not as urgent. You know, it's not like there's an. Mm-hmm. A vertical. Or emergency care, you know, and then there never should be, but but there's um, or maybe there should if not, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't yeah, appointment, you know, if you don't need to yeah. go in. Go That's
0: right. If you if you can yeah. get triage from home rather than waiting six hours in the uh emergency room, then uh, maybe that'd be better for everyone, you yeah. know, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, where 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 the um, where it gets uh, where it goes is is really exciting, and I think as well, there's. I can see uh like in the near future, how the traditional healthcare system responds will be really interesting too, because they're definitely going to adopt some of these practices. Like I seen a, an article from the US where a doctor spoke really favorably about asynchronous consultations because mm-hmm. of the 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 time that it, it it saved him and the um we hadn't I hadn't thought about it from a, a doctor's perspective before, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so as traditional healthcare Takes aspects of of these verticals and and you know can provide a, a more technology enabled like healthcare service. I think it's it's going to kind of raise the bar all around, which is great. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I think we've we've come to expect many things with sort of internet commerce and in terms of uh, you know standards of customer service, and it's going to be interesting to see if if that also drives some some changes with healthcare as well so interesting times as always so i think you know maybe now just thinking about for for young folks that are thinking about getting started in the industry would you have any recommendations for them on where to start or or what what spaces to to look at
1: yeah. like <laughs> not, not <really. laughs> coming from a tech background yeah like I think there's a cool program running out of, of Stanford, Biodesign. Mm-hmm. And they, they have this sort of like clinical immersion aspect to the program where you spend the oh, first time cool. in a clinic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how you do it. Just like speak to your friends or your friends or friends who are working in healthcare or like just get into a clinic and like work in admin role or something. But I I just wouldn't presume anything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's um, yeah, that that kind of doing that little bit of of kind of
0: it, exposure to sort of the the patient provider interface and just sort of really understanding how how that works and is a it, is it great it's not just about oh this is an interesting piece of technology but it's really how it's going to work or, or or fit in with what they what they do today and what changes would be required and and, exactly. and sometimes just. You've got to you've got to go into an office or a hospital um just to see how things are done. And uh it's it's easy to to visualize, but often that visualization is nothing like the reality. So uh yeah. And
1: and it's amazing how like someone will explain something to you and you yeah. fully understand it. And then until you see it with your own two eyes, you realize you interpret it in a completely yeah. different way to what they meant. Yeah. And um yeah, so so I, I think to to kind of crack healthcare you just really need to have that understanding and time spent with with doctors and and patients to yeah figure out what they what they need go and Um, spend
0: spend time with whoever's going to be using the technology and and get get in their shoes as much as you can because that's going to really help you to to understand uh what some of the challenges will be with uh whatever technology you're trying
1: to help them with Exactly. And, and you know, lots of people say healthcare is hard and it's hard because you just always have to take into account multiple perspectives. Like it's mm-hmm. rare that you have one user or one customer. So, yeah. And That's- and shying away from that complexity, just, it doesn't, it doesn't help. You end up building the mm-hmm. wrong thing or you, it might work for, and this mm-hmm. is from experience, yeah. it <laughs> might work from some people, but it you won't get that adoption. You won't get that Take yeah. that actually you're looking for
0: yeah. yeah no I think that's right too the other key here is you know it's not like if you've spoken to one potential user that you understand the the scope of potential users. And I think you know the more you can speak to the more variety you can see of the settings and the challenges they face then uh and how their particular organization works the the more you'll you understand what some of the barriers to adoption will be rather than if you just assume that everybody's going to be like the first one you spoke to because we both know that's not going to be the case. So, yeah. And yeah. the,
1: the, the people you speak to first as well are always, you know, yeah. almost, you know, too helpful. And yeah, too- yeah. 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 So, yeah. I think it's the same advice for, for any kind of tech startup, yeah, I think yeah, just, yeah, the added complexity of just all the different stakeholders and no one's willing to pay. And you need to find that, that sweet spot, which mm-hmm. um, with a consumer product, it's, it's just, I think a little bit more simple. And then we didn't even get into the regulations part. Uh... Let's
0: <laughs> nice. save, save that for another conversation.
1: <laughs> well, um, what about uh, you got
0: any sort of books or uh, podcasts that you'd, you'd recommend for the audience to to check out
1: in terms of healthcare, mm. i was actually thinking i don't know if you've read it there's a really good blog out there called mm. out of pocket costs oh
0: yeah and krishnan yeah it's a, that's a killer one really really good yeah
1: yeah so that that kind of uh anytime a new one comes in i, I always save that in my inbox for a bit mm. of the afternoon reading yeah and then the other thing that i i like is uh, there's a blog called the generalists and the guy goes mm-hmm. deep into uh into anything mm. and um, i sometimes think maybe i, I i'm a bit blinkered because i don't really know anything outside of healthcare mm-hmm. it's nice when someone dives into an, an industry that uh that you just know nothing about and he's just wrote a blog about fc barcelona and, oh wow um, yeah I haven't read it yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to it because it's, uh yeah, I, I don't really know what he's going to do. I know they've had a lot of financial trouble and kind of seen they've got a bit creative with, with restructuring their debt and, and stuff. So um, kind of having that sort of outside perspective is always good to see kind of what's coming next in healthcare.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. In an Aegis specialization, there's still a tremendous amount to be learned from looking at other industries and, and seeing seeing what you can bring in, so I think that sort of scanning across many many industries and uh, and then seeing what you can bring to the vertical you specialize in is makes a lot of sense. So and yeah.
1: and there's a good chance I think that like as time goes on, these verticals like if if they're they're VC backed, they need to they need to grow, and if they're going to grow, they're going to grow like hmm. you know other other tech companies already have done like a you know an uber or something and then they're going to have to win certain markets and will oh, there be network effects and so you can definitely um i wouldn't say history will repeat itself but yeah you can you can see make predictions but then um, yeah it's fascinating In,
0: indeed indeed well this is great so uh where can listeners find you uh online and what's the best way for them to connect with you
1: i think linkedin is the, the easiest yeah awesome i'm not Yeah, I don't think I'm really anywhere else. Maybe there's a Facebook profile.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Liam. It's really uh, great to catch up as always. And um, uh, for our audience, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you got something of value from this episode. And if you did, please don't forget to review the Sompry Health podcast on your favorite streaming service. It really helps others to find and enjoy the show. So thank you all and catch you on the next one.